Welcome to The Backpack, a podcast from Christ Community Church in Shelbyville, Kentucky. On The Backpack, we want to prepare you for the journey outside where following Jesus meets real life. Hey, welcome to The Backpack. I'm one of your hosts, Josiah, and this is The Canteen, one of our regular segments here where we feature sermons from the preaching ministry here at Christ Community Church. This week, we continue in our study of the Ten Commandments from Exodus chapter 20. Let's listen in as Blake brings us this week's message. Well, it is, uh, it is good to be back with uh, y'all. And uh, there is, is something else that is, that is good, and that is the fourth commandment that uh, Katie just read for us. I'm going to move this out of the way here a little bit so I don't knock it over. Remember the Sabbath. And uh, I, I need that reminder. I'm not just saying that the fourth commandment is good because that's what I'm supposed to say. I, I need that reminder as I begin to preach that sermon. Um, as a church, we, we set out to, to preach through the Ten Commandments with this idea of bold humility, this, this um, prompting that as we would give ourselves to these Ten Commandments from God, to His people, that it would produce in us this bold humility. Um, boldness in the sense that um, as we become more like God, as we become holy as He is holy, we become more bold. But humility also in the fact that as we preach through these Ten Commandments, we recognize the weakness that's in us. Like, we, we can't keep these things very well. And um, no one warned me about how much conviction might come personally when you set out to preach those ten. So um, I need that reminder today as we begin that um, the fourth commandment is good. Because I don't always like the fourth commandment. <laughs> I don't always like it. Um, we're back. I said it's good to be back. We had a team that I was a part of that um, went to Central Asia. It was a great trip. Um, you're going to be hearing more about that trip in the coming weeks and months. Um, and I, I could share a ton of things, but but one that was really appropriate for today. There was one couple who has been on the, on the field there in Central Asia for, for less than a year. Young couple, three kids under the age of three. And um, at one point at the end of this time together with these workers, they, um, they wrote notes to several of us who had been leading them throughout the week. And DJ, our very own DJ, was leading worship there. And in his card uh, was this encouragement. This was the first time in a year that I had sung worship songs in my own language. And that was good. And that was good. So that comment reminded me that when the body of Christ gathers together all across our world and in different time zones and different cultures, it looks very different. Like the experience that I had singing here with you today looked nothing like the experience that I shared with these folks just a couple of weeks ago. And, and, and yet, they're, they're, they're both good. And so we come to this fourth command, remember the Sabbath. And um, church culture throughout the generations has uh, put a lot of different meaning and things into this. But, but it's certainly no less than like, you should be going to church. Like, Remember the Sabbath with, with people. 
But does it just simply mean that? Because it looks so different for us to, to come together as the body. So, so what does it really mean to remember the Sabbath? Like if we're going to keep this command, what, is, what does that mean? Uh, some would say that you shouldn't do things like mow your yard on Sundays or practice any kind of sports. My dad is firmly in this camp. Like He gets frustrated any time he hears about that going on. Uh, some wish we'd go back to the days when businesses were closed. And you can talk to some gray-haired members. I don't know how to label them anymore, so right now it's just gray-haired members. But you can go to them and they're like, I remember the day when you couldn't do anything on Sundays because everything was closed. Is that remembering the Sabbath? What does it mean to remember the Sabbath? Well, if nothing else, one application that could be made from today's sermon is that it is a good thing to buy two Chick-fil-A sandwiches on Saturday so that you can have one for lunch on Sunday. I joke. But even as I make that, I don't want to distract us from this fourth commandment because I've come to believe that this commandment might be the most important of the commandments for our local body. I'm not saying it's the most important ever, all time, across, but, but as I lead and, and as we lead together this, this body of believers, I'm, I'm just convicted that, that there might be something to this one for us. When we began this series, not one, but two of the most well-respected people I know came to me essentially saying, there are things about the fourth commandment that you have to know before you preach it. I have to share them with you. Now, I've been sharpened and shaped and convicted by, by those people and by those conversations. Nobody else came to me about any of the other commandments. The fourth one. This was a thing. And so, as I've taken those things in and as I've read and prepared and, and all the things, I've, I've come to some, some beliefs, some, some genuine beliefs that if we will give ourselves to this command, this one specifically, it's going to make us as a church more evangelistic, more bold. That we will find ourselves sharing Jesus more than we previously have if we learn to obey the fourth commandment. I've also found and been reinforced in this idea that it will produce in us a kind of humility that is uncommon. That those around us might begin to yearn to have what we have. Namely, rest in Jesus. And, and I've also come to believe that it will be the single most important factor to the well-being of our souls in the days to come. Now, that's a lot of big claims and a lot of big beliefs. And if ever there was a week for community groups, this is the one. <laughs> because um, th- there is no, like, I figured out the Sabbath and this is how it works. But rather, there is this humble learning from one another about how we can remember the Sabbath together. The command. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's that's one word. Set it apart. You're to labor six days and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. In some ways, I I can't make it any more clear than that. And yet, as we've realized, thanks to our broken world that we're a part of, we need to to dive a little deeper into this fourth command. So I want our framework today for our time in Scripture to be shaped in in kind of three big pockets of ideas, which will support with some other ideas. Number one is this. 
why we don't obey the fourth commandment. Why is it that we, we don't obey this commandment? And then secondly, what freedoms we enjoy when we do. And then just a moment of practical application of how we can begin to obey the fourth commandment. And we're going to do this prayerfully, not to just fill your head with ideas, right? but rather to stir up your heart. Because this, just like all the other commandments, it comes down to whether or not you believe that God meant what He said. So, so may our hearts be stirred up by the only one who can give us rest, and that's Jesus. Why we don't obey the fourth commandment. No other command is so implicit about how we use our time. How many of you have heard the adage, time is our most valuable resource? We've heard this, right? We've probably said it. And in many regards, it's, it's true. And because of that adage, in our fallen nature, we've become really enthralled with this idea of controlling our time, of maximizing it, of being super efficient. And in that, we've bought the lie that time is ours. We own it. You don't get any more invasive than asking for someone's time. You want to see someone fidget in their chair a little bit? Ask for their time. They may hand you a 20, but 20 minutes is much more valuable than that. And God knew that we would be this way. And so God, knowing that we would need limits, says in this fourth command, give me one day. One day. Set apart one day out of seven. Because actually you don't own your time. I do. Give me one day. And so almost in a way, unlike all the rest of the commandments, this fourth commandment, it's, it's invasive. It's like personally attacking. It strikes at the thing that our flesh cries out for, which is more. We want more time in our physical realities. More, more time to, to get ahead. More time to do the things that we want to do. Our flesh is constantly calling us to make the most of the time by serving ourself. And with something this invasive, we just, it it's sometimes feels so crushing that we prefer to see it as a suggestion rather than a command. And we, we just choose not to obey it because it is invasive. And, and, and actually, the consequences can kind of be delayed. We don't always feel those right away. It's kind of like when the doctor tells you, you're getting older. You need to start doing some things to take care of your health so that you don't have problems later on. Drink more water, take a, a daily multivitamin, you know, whatever the doctor is telling you to do. And you know that that thing is good for you, but you don't feel the effects of not doing it day to day yet. So you, you hear your doctor, but it just becomes more of a suggestion until your health exposes your lack of obedience. I'm reminded of, of what Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, verse 16. He says, Don't you know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of that one you obey, either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? When we kind of slack off or, or when we just assume that we don't need to do this, then we actually become slaves to ourselves because we've decided that we know better how to use our time than God would. And then at some point down the road, right, we realize that, huh, I'm burnt out. 
I'm too busy to do the things that matter in life. I've been chasing some pursuit that really lacks purpose. But it's really hard to get out of all that because we've become slaves to our own disobedience. We feel guilty. We feel ashamed. And in our guilt and our shame, we we try to explain away this fourth commandment because we've become slaves to our own disobedience. Bible readers have tried to do theological gymnastics uh, to, to say that when Jesus came, He just did away with the Sabbath. They read the accounts in the Gospels of Jesus healing on the Sabbath or or allowing His disciples to pick heads of grain on the Sabbath, and they say, see, remembering the Sabbath doesn't really matter. It wasn't really relevant once Jesus came. Then we could just rest in Him and, you know, Sabbath was, nah, throw it away. I, I could not more strongly say to you this morning, Jesus did not become a man to abolish the Sabbath. In fact, He became a man who observed the Sabbath as He was saving mankind. When Jesus did those things on the Sabbath, like healing or picking the head of grain, He was exposing the religious leaders who were wrongly applying this Sabbath commandment while showing them how to correctly keep it. You see, to abolish the fourth command, Jesus would have been taking away one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given to His people. One of the greatest gifts that He's ever given to us. When God created, as His command calls us back to, He worked for six days. And then He rested. And then He rested. Do you know how good it is to know that the being that created all things came to a point where He said, everything is good. We can all rest now. Do you realize how good that is? If you've ever worked for a hard-driving, no-nonsense boss who never stopped working, you know how good it is that the one who created all things came to a point where He said, this is good, let's rest. And you see, that's exactly what the Israelites who are hearing this from God's voice coming down the mountain had experienced their entire lives. They had been born as children of slaves, which made them slaves. It was the only life they knew. Work, work, work. A little bit of sleep. Work, work, work. There were no breaks. In fact, when Moses and Aaron asked for a break on behalf of the Israelites in Exodus 5, the Israelites were given more work. So when those same Israelites who had worked under the cruel and unjust Pharaoh heard the voice of God, their new master, say, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It was the first time in their lives that someone had said to them, don't work today. It's good. Instead, just rest in my love, in who I am. Enjoy me. What an incredible gift! What an incredible gift. What an incredible picture of God's justice and His mercy and His love for Him to say to these people who had never had a day of rest from this hard work, rest in Me. If this is the Sabbath, a declaration, a beautiful declaration of freedom and of love, why would Jesus abolish that? He wouldn't. Jesus would never want to abolish the justice and mercy and love of God. 
And so this command, this fourth command, isn't irrelevant. It's an invitation to rest in the finished work of Christ. And and if that case isn't enough, I want us to think even of the gospel story itself. The work of Christ on the cross. Carrying the heavy cross. Going through the painful things. The hard work that He was doing as He made payment for the sins of the world. For you. But what did He do after He declared on the cross, it is finished? He rested and on the Sabbath, no less. You see, Jesus didn't become a man to abolish the Sabbath. He was a man who observed the Sabbath as He was saving mankind. I'm reminded of these lyrics that that we sing here at Christ Community often. There in the ground His body lay. He rested. Light of the world by darkness slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave He rose again. Christ's resurrection meant life. It meant freedom. It meant assurance that we could rest in the goodness of God. Even as Jesus saved the world, He remembered the Sabbath. He rested in death, trusting in the resurrection power of the Spirit. The good news of the fourth commandment is that a God who has done all the work of saving your soul has told you that it is good to rest in that, to to enjoy His love in that work one day out of every seven. And as we do that, Scripture teaches us that we're actually protected from further disobedience. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 and following, the author writes, Therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. Let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. Sabbath rest is is a glimpse of what resting in Christ for eternity will be. It's It's a little taste of heaven every seven days. It's a moment that we get to delight in the freedom that we have because of the finished work of God in Christ. What are those freedoms? What is it that we enjoy when we obey the fourth command? On your sermon notes, you've got three blanks that we'll fill in as we think quickly about the freedom that we get from obeying the fourth commandment. And the first is this, freedom from busyness. Freedom from busyness. As you look back, verses 9 Uh, And 10, it says, You are to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work. It's not that you aren't busy with work. It's that you do your work in six days and rest on the seventh. And when you follow this pattern given to us by the Creator of all things, including time, then so much freedom happens on that seventh day. Your heart is able to to detach from from the pursuits that cultivate busyness in your heart. Now, mind you, that detachment isn't painless. It's hard, especially at first. You begin to consider the business that might be lost or the opportunities to advance yourself that, that seem to float away. It's, it's really hard sometimes on the Sabbath to think that someone else might be getting better than you. They're, they're 
advancing further than you on a day that you're resting. But what we often don't realize is that by pursuing that work, we're inviting the busyness that crushes our souls later. John Mark Comer, in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, shared this. I'm not sure what I'm doing. He said, it's been proven by study after study. There is zero correlation between hurry and productivity. In fact, once you work a certain number of hours in a week, your productivity plummets. Want to know what the number is? 50 hours. Ironic, he writes. That's about a six-day work week. One study found that there was zero difference in productivity between workers who logged 70 hours and those who logged 55. And then he asked this provocative question. Could God be speaking to us even through our bodies? On that day that we set apart to the Lord, through the intentional rejection of work, we remind ourselves that God finished creation. There was a point where He said, it's good and I'm done. We're reminded that He finished the work of saving our souls. It's good and He's done. And He gives us assurance that He will finish the work He started in us. Now, I'm not talking about the work that we do to pad our bank accounts or to advance our careers or improve our social standings. I'm talking about the work that He is doing in us so that we might be with Him in His kingdom forever. And each time we reject work as we remember the Sabbath, we experience a little bit more of the freedom from busyness that Christ gave to us. And when we begin to experience that freedom from busyness, it humbles us because we realize how purposeless so much of our busyness is. It's humbling to realize that God doesn't need us to work 24-7 to accomplish His purposes. Y'all, He doesn't even need us to work 24-6. He has freed us from that kind of busyness. But what's so beautiful is that when that humility is birthed in us, it actually frees us up to become who God designed us to be because we can quit working to be what the world tells us to be. Because the world tells us to be busy, to get more, to keep going. Humility works itself out of us in this this beautiful self-awareness. We know, in fact, we are painfully aware that we can never do enough work on ourselves or in this world to accomplish what we hope to accomplish. And yet, there's a contentment that humility brings because of that awareness that the world doesn't revolve or depend on you to get your work done. I feel freer already! When we remember the Sabbath, there is freedom from busyness. So set apart a day to the Lord. It's good. It frees you from busyness. It also gives you freedom from exploitation. It's kind of a big word. Exploitation. We have to notice that this command to not work isn't just for you. right? We, we, we say too often, church is a y'all thing. But we forget sometimes that our obedience to these commands has an impact on others. Look, look at what it says. You must not do any work. You, your son or daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock. Hold on, you're saying my obedience to the fourth command has implications on my livestock? 
or the resident alien who is within your city gates. Here's what happens. When you refuse to stop working, others around you are required to keep working. Now, we're not even touching the implications of extending the Sabbath to your livestock or the resident alien within the city gates. There's like six sermon series there. But when your work isn't producing the results you desire because your heart has this insatiable desire for more, you begin to exploit the people and created things around you to get what you can't get yourself. Jen Wilkin, who wrote the book that our groups are working through, said this, if someone else's work secures our rest, we are more than likely enjoying the rest of privilege, but not of Sabbath. Commandments 5 through 10 are often needed because we don't keep commandment number 4. Because we refuse to rest in the Lord, we begin to exploit those around us to give us what only the Lord can. We get angry with our kids because they didn't get their chores done when in reality we weren't home long enough for them to ever do them. We work so hard that we feel like when we come home, we deserve our spouse's love. Shouldn't I be able to come home after working all day and just be loved or have a few minutes to myself? And then when our expectations aren't met in that relationship, we begin to fulfill our desires outside the bounds of marriage. That's a command too. We become willing to lie about our situation to get a better deal. Well, we're willing to steal from the profits of our neighbor in that way. Why? Because a restless heart always wants more. We don't want to lose what we've worked so hard to gain. So we exploit others to keep and protect it and to gain more for ourselves. Said more positively, sometimes the greatest work we can do to love those around us well is to set apart a day for the Lord and remember the Sabbath. Because as we do that, our hearts become detached from this insatiable desire for more and they're freed up to instead serve others so that they too might experience rest in Christ. This is a huge pinch point for me personally, okay? Like half of those applications are for me. And, and I'm just realizing that I struggle to give people hope in the good news of Jesus, like to share the gospel, because I'm too busy asking them to do something for me. My heart wants more from them instead of more for them. That's what our world says. Get as much as you can for you from whoever. And I do that because I'm not resting and I'm not being satisfied in the Lord. I'm, I'm, just, I'm convinced, Christ community, that we would be more bold in sharing Jesus if we more faithfully remembered the Sabbath and set apart a day to the Lord. We would better know the God that we talk about because we've taken time to enjoy Him and to, to delight in His love. We'd be freed up from exploiting our neighbor so that our hearts will be ready to give them something, the good news of Christ instead. Y'all, we need this freedom from exploitation like maybe we didn't even realize. And when we remember the Sabbath, we can receive this, this freedom. The last freedom that I want to talk about is freedom from anxiety. Notice how Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, calls the Israelites back to God's work in creation. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, it says, the sea and everything in them in six days, and then He rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day 
and declared it holy. Now for us, like we, we've, we've heard this like a few times now, right? And we can become numb to it, but I want us to think how reflecting on, on that truth would have compared for the Israelites to reflecting on their most recent master, Pharaoh. Pharaoh was a master who increased their workload consistently. He was a, a master who ordered their male children to be put to death when they became too numerous. He was a master who allowed them to be killed when, when they weren't working hard enough. I'm anxious just thinking about that for them. This was their day-to-day reality. Anxiety was ever-present in their lives. And so when the Lord says in this extended commandment, think about the Lord who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them, and He rested, and then He's calling for you to rest in that same rest, it's just mind-blowing. It frees them from the anxiety that they've lived with and felt for their entire lives. Giving their attention to a God who rested from His work changed everything. John Mark Comer says, what you give your attention to is the person you become. Put another way, the mind is the portal to the soul. And what you fill your mind with will shape the trajectory of your character. In the end, your life is no more than the sum of what you gave your attention to. And so here in Exodus 20, as he gives this command to remember the Sabbath, he's giving them this this freedom from anxiety by saying, look at me, focus on me in the way that I've done this. As we remember the Sabbath, God wants to call our hearts and our minds back to Himself, to what He has done, and to the fact that He didn't need the seventh day to do His work. He can achieve what needs to be achieved, and He sees it as good. In other words, your God has got this. Whatever it is that you're facing today, whatever it is that's giving you anxiety, your God has got this, and that is a truth to rest in. And when you remember the Sabbath, setting apart a day, to rest in His work, not yours, honoring Him, serving others. It frees you from the anxiety that says everything depends on you. You have to watch out for you. I want to just ask a question as we think about our day and age where mental health is is such a, a huge part of our conversations. What if the key to improved mental health was setting apart one day out of seven to remember the Sabbath. To focus on the Lord who has and will finish His work in you. Well, then I'd want to keep it. So how can we do that? Last section quickly. Number one, you begin to keep this command by believing that God really meant it that He intends for you to set one day apart, and that you need Jesus' grace to do that. If you just try to, to, to do nothing one day a week, and, and you become super legalistic about what you can and cannot do, what is work and what isn't work, you become just like the Pharisees who kept adding laws to explain how to keep this one command. I want to show you a picture. This is a picture of what they call, and this is in, in Jewish tradition, the 39 works. That's a, that's a word for works. It looks like the periodic table. This is how they decide if they're actually keeping the Sabbath. Now, on this list are things like carrying. Can't carry anything. Don't pick up your Bible on the Sabbath. I mean, it, it gets, it's, it's crazy. 
So I was actually reading this one article that worked through all 39 of these works and explained how you were to not do them on the Sabbath. And at the end, at the end, this is the quote. After reading through the 39 categories of work, you might have come to feel that keeping the Sabbath is an impossibly complex task. We warned you of this earlier. (laughs) And then they go on to give some illustrations about how trying really hard will eventually make keeping the Sabbath easier. Do you get the irony? In a command that tells us to stop our work, they've actually made it really hard work. They've broken the commandment. We have a temptation to do the same thing, to draw really hard lines around what is work and what isn't. So if we want to obey the fourth commandment, it must begin with believing that God really intends for you to to set one day apart. It's not a suggestion or or something that's outdated. He really commands this for your good and and His glory and your freedom. But at the same time, this command of the law, like every other part of the law, points you to your need for Jesus. Because just like all the others, it's a mirror that shows you the ways that you fall short where you're working for your own salvation and for your own good instead of resting in His. I'm reminded of Romans 7, 7. It says, what should we say then? Is the law sin? Absolutely not. But I would not have known sin if it were not for the law. For example, I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had said, had not said, do not covet. The command to remember the Sabbath reminds us that we are unable on our own to remember the Sabbath. We, we need a Savior who is Lord of the Sabbath, who saved us through the Sabbath. And so while we believe that God really intends for you and I to set one day apart, you also must do the work of believing that you need Jesus' grace as He transforms you into someone who can keep this commandment. And that starts with the second way that you begin to obey the the fourth commandment, which is to resist work. Resist work one day a week that keeps you from resting in Christ. Here's the reality. You are not going to hear this message, believe it, and then start perfectly keeping the Sabbath next weekend. It would be like if I commanded you to run a marathon. It's not that you couldn't ever do it, but most of you couldn't do it today or tomorrow or the next week. You have to start training and making progress towards it as the Spirit is working and enabling that in you. So in this resisting of work, I just want to encourage you to do an audit. To ask yourself some questions like, is there a day that I can begin to set aside, set apart to the Lord? And what would that look like? Now, there, there's, there's no rule that says your day of rest has to be on Sunday. But let me encourage you to, to think about a, a couple things. Uh, one is you might think about a 24-hour period instead of a day on the calendar. And the second is I'd encourage you to, to really think hard about Sundays because of the gathering together that's already built in. As we rest together, it makes it easier to rest in Him. It helps us to honor the Lord. It it surrounds us with a group of people who are committing to resting in Christ together. And and on that day, then, as you continue to audit, how how can you stop work? And how can you do more delighting in the Lord? As you ask that, it might require you to take a different approach to Saturdays or the day before whatever day you're, you're honoring this. How can you get more of the work you need to get done accomplished on those days so that you can more effectively rest in the Lord on the Sabbath? But on the other side of resisting work is the question that's looming, right? Like, what do I do? Like, I'm not just supposed to sit there, right? Like, 
Surely the intent is not to go to church for 24 hours or to sit in a dark room meditating. This isn't just a commandment to take more vacations. As good as they are, vacations are often more like those privileged escapes than they are Sabbath rest. So, so what do you do? Well, you, you help others rest in Christ's work. This is a y'all thing, remember? If the Sabbath is not just you resting in the Lord, but also you helping give rest to others, how could you begin to engage more regularly in giving life to others? What if you had a family over to your home each Sabbath just to give them a space to be heard and to be loved and to be seen? That gives them life. allows you to, to rest in the Lord's work in you and in them. What if you spent time encouraging the sick or, or calling on older family members? What would it look like if, if you served the members of your community group or invested in the young people you work with here at Christ Community on the Sabbath? What if you spent some extra time in the Scriptures or focused prayer on the Sabbath? All of these things and, and others, they, they help us more deeply experience rest in the love of Christ. And they help you delight in the love that He has given to you. Remembering the Sabbath is, is something that, that we do together, which is why it's so important. I'll come back to you. Engage with the group this week and talk about together how you can remember the Sabbath. We've got to land this plane somewhere. It's time. The band is going to come. Christ community, I, I just want to encourage us that if we give ourselves to this, this fourth commandment to remember the Sabbath, no, no moment changes more than this one that we're about to have. The time where we come together around the Lord's table. This moment that we come together during our, Saturday, our Sunday gatherings, it just, it just begins to mean more. Because as we, we make our way to the outside and, and, and we're together in this line and, and we receive communion, the body and the blood of Christ as baptized believers, we recognize that it's often in this moment where, where we are most aware of the truth that we are freed by the blood of Christ. It's a moment in our week where we taste that freedom in Him together. And when we're tasting freedom in Him, then we can begin to free each other from the tyranny of busyness and achievement. Because we're, we're all here together, resting in Him. It's a moment where we don't feel the strain of, of getting to the next thing. We, we know that, that we don't have to live the same way that everyone around us lives. We don't have to be busy or taking advantage of others or even anxious. For a moment, we can simply rest in the finished work of Christ. And so as we do that today, in this moment of response to the gospel, some of you might realize that you've never actually trusted Christ's work. You thought he was real. You said it makes sense, but you've never actually trusted. Your heart has, has never trusted him. You've never really believed the good news about Jesus, that it frees you from your sin and from the work. If that's you today, I'm going to be down front. I would love to just welcome you, to hug you, and say, man, let's rest in Christ together. Baptized believers, we get to remember all that together by taking part in this, this Lord's Supper. It's a tangible expression that reminds us of His bodily presence on the cross. That same body that rested in the grave and trusted in Christ's 
and trusted in God for the resurrection power, it's still worth remembering because his resurrection guarantees ours. Our Father, who art in heaven, the place of eternal rest, hallowed be your name. Here on this day, may, may, we, may we make your name great because you've seen fit to give us this fourth commandment that right, reminds us that we can rest in you one day out of seven. And may your kingdom come in us and those around us and in this community. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread the manna, just like the Israelites got, that was just enough for the day, and then even just enough to cover the Sabbath, Lord. Give us today what we need in you. Forgive us. Forgive us of our sins. We forgive others. Beginning to experience the grace of your kingdom. Lord, lead us not into the temptation of busyness and of returning to work and of, of working for our salvation but deliver us from that evil. For in you is the kingdom and the power and the glory for salvation forever. Help us to rest in that today, we pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, Josiah again. Thanks for joining us at the canteen and listening to this week's message. We hope it was helpful to you and that you were encouraged and challenged as we set out this week to walk the walk of faith together. If you're a part of Christ community, let's consider how we can practically apply this into our lives this week as we go outside to be the church. If you're not a member of Christ community, we're so glad that you joined us and we hope that this message was helpful to you as well. If you're in the Shelbyville area, we'd love to have you come out and join us. But wherever you are, find a local church, get plugged in, and experience Christian community as it was designed to be. Thanks for joining us this week. Grab your backpack and we'll see you on the trail. Thanks for listening to The Backpack, a production of Christ Community Church. The Backpack is hosted by DJ Williams, Daniel Bright, and Josiah Ward. You can learn more about Christ Community Church at loveshelbyville.com.